0: can you hear me Uh, thank you Julie as I contemplated um, what I would talk about um, when Lowell called me um, I must confess that my heart is heavy And the heart of this nation is heavy. This past year was an experience uh, that none of us hope to relive. The plague of the COVID pandemic was something that has impacted us and changed us forever. But there is yet another plague it's the plague of injustice plague of inequality. And as the collective body of Christ, we are commanded to be the first responders in confronting this crisis and this pandemic. I recently read from a daily devotional a story addressing this issue of prejudice, injustice, inequality, and racism. It was a story of a church, a church that had a vacant pulpit because their pastor was retiring. I gathered from the devotional that it was a mixed church, but primarily a white church. Many candidates were called and interviewed, including one black seminarian, one black pastor, who's ultimately selected to lead that congregation. After several sermons, including a sermon on correcting injustice and inequality inside and outside, a member of the church approached the pastor crying and weeping and asking for forgiveness and confessing that he had not voted in favor of his calling as the minister because he was black. The member said to the pastor, I really need you to forgive me. I don't want the junk of Prejudice, racism, inequality, inequity spilling over into my kids and continuing in my life. He said, I didn't vote for you. And I was wrong. He confessed in tears. His tears of confession were met with the pastor's tears of forgiveness. Several weeks later the entire congregation and church rejoiced upon the hearing of the man's testimony and how God and the work of the Holy Spirit hit his heart and changed his life by guiding him to embrace the pastor his brother in Christ and not a black pastor not a black I had to describe that scenario, I would describe it as diversity of hearts playing in that scenario. Diversity of hearts, as I could best describe it, is a community of many hearts sharing one love for God and for humanity. A community One heart, one heart, sharing one love for God and humanity. There is a common thread that runs throughout that story, and that thread is the diversity of heart. And that thread operates here in in a couple of ways. First, that diverse congregation that I spoke about, much like River Valley, within their pews were blacks, whites, folks of different backgrounds, ethnicities. They were there. There was diversity of hearts that came together as one to choose the best shepherd, not based upon race or anything else. To choose a shepherd that shared the love of God and was able to teach without the distinction of anything else but a love for God. Except for that one individual, you had a congregation that believed that diversity is important. And we're called to love without distinction. We're called to love without distinction. We also had something else in play here. We also see diversity of hearts when the pastor and the member, in spite of their differences, are reconciled by the gift of grace and forgiveness. They are reconciled by the grace, the gift of grace, and forgiveness. How do we develop as a body? How do we advance and how do we embrace diversity of hearts? I tell you, brothers and sisters, it comes down to a mission and a map. The mission is our guide to tell us what we're to do and what we're led by and where we're going. And the map is our guide. The one thing I want to say is that in the body of Christ, there is no us and there is no them. There is just a singular God and a singular people that he created. And he's called us to that cross where divinity and humanity meets at the core in the center. Where divinity and humanity meets. Where our divine God meets his creation. One mankind. One race. The human race. At the cross, Christ has given us the mission. And I'd like to talk about the mission. The mission is the call to embrace diversity and inclusion. The mission is called to embrace diversity. And inclusion. Matthew 28:19 through 20 says, "Go therefore and make disciples of that word all, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded of you. And behold, our Father God says, He's with us always." to the end of this age. I highlighted the word all, because all is all-inclusive, without exception, without distinction, without class. All means all. The second thing I have to say about the mission This in Romans 12 4 and 5, it says, For as one body we have many, the diverse heart people, the diverse heart in one we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one in the body of Christ and individually members one of another, meaning we are connected to each other in one, that heart, many diverse hearts, but there is one love for one God and one humanity without distinction, without distinction. Further, the call for... To embrace diversity and inclusion. John 3.16. Again. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one. Son. He gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him. Shall not perish but have eternal life. We're back to one. Unity. One God. One people. One God for all people, one God for all people. The mission, as I said, is our guide, but the map provides direction. It tells us where we need to go, brothers and sisters. And if we follow the map, it will take us to an intersection. The most important intersection of all. The cross. Where divinity and humanity meets again. It calls us to that collaboration in God's agenda. To reconcile himself to all of mankind. It is that intersection. And I say the meeting at the cross. And as we travel the road map, as we travel the road on the mission, there are landmarks we must pass on the way. And the landmarks are noted here. In order for us to get to a place of inclusion and in this diversity of hearts to this intersection and his calling to assist God in his agenda to reconcile himself to mankind. We just have to follow this map. I'm suggesting to you, it's not all inclusive, but I think it's a good approach to get us there collectively. And the first thing is seeing God's image in every single individual. Seeing God's image in every single individual. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to tell you that when we looked at what happened to Mr. George Floyd, imagine if Derek Chauvin had looked at him as his brother, as the image of God on him? Would the approach have been different? Would our approach have been different when we mistreat each other if we look for the image of God in our fellow man every single time? Would there be a different approach as to how we do our jobs And how we engage the community and each other. If every time we approached an individual, we see the image of God. When we lose the idea that God is on each and every one of us. We lose compassion. We lose his heart. And you know what? Lowell did a series, and I had an opportunity to read this book by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. And Rabbi Sachs, in that book, Not in God's Name, talks about violence in the name of God. And he says, you know what? When we start to dehumanize human beings, and we call them anything, and we describe them in horrible ways as vermin and animals and things of that nature— We are desensitized and it makes it easy for us to kill. It makes it easy for us to hurt. It makes it easy for us to harm. The flip of that is, but if we see the image of God, could we reverse that? If we see the image of God in every single individual, can we be called to reverse what happens every single day in our community, In society the second thing on this road map in the landmark is this I've kind of alluded to it but loving without distinction or condition loving without distinction or condition before I get there I want to say something uh, God shows no favoritism God shows no favoritism. Peter was rebuked in in, in Acts in a 10th chapter 28, 24th verse. Peter is there and he's saying, look, as Jews, we, we can't hang out with these Gentiles. We can't be caught with these people. We can't do this. Jesus said to him, hey, listen, God has shown me that Show Peter that I not call anyone impure or unclean. And Peter realized that, hey, you know what? God doesn't show favoritism. And you know what's interesting? Jesus was perfectly human and perfectly God that came for one people. The most beautiful thing about Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descended upon people, there were still people at that time who didn't realize it not only descended upon the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. On the Jews and the Gentiles as well. Because the Jews were the avenue to bring Christ to the world, not just to save the Jews, but to save all people. God shows no favoritism. God shows no favoritism. There is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Galatians says, it says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And the second thing is, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the biggest calling. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And when I I say love without distinction, I had an experience that took me back, and I appreciate the intent of the person. When George Floyd was killed in the street of Minnesota, I got many texts and many calls from the community, my friends, and my white friends. And I, I say that to preface what I'm about to say. And when I got those text messages that said, I just wanted to let you know, my black friend, that I don't agree with what happened to George Floyd, I was taken aback. Because for me, yes, George Floyd was a black man. But what was done to George Floyd was a scourge against society and humanity. And if black had nothing to do with it. And if you saw it any other way, the problem is not just there. It's here. And what was said to me was, I just had to reach out to you as my black friend and let you know I love you. And I reversed that. I said, if I publicly stood in a place and I called you my white friend, would that make sense to you? If I stood in a place publicly and say, I want to acknowledge you as my white friend, how foolish would that sound, Christian Garrett? That's right, uh, brother, come on. <laughs> <laughs> how foolish would it sound? When we love, we love without distinction. People, we're called to bigger places than to talk about, I love you because you're black. I love you because you're white. I love you because God loved me first. A unified God loves a unified people that he's calling to the cross. He's calling the collective people to the cross not as black, white, Jew, Gentile. He's calling everybody to that place. And as the body of Christ, we have the responsibility to take upon the mission and walk with him there. Take everybody there with us. Take everybody there with us. Not that one sheep should be left behind, Julie. It's bigger people than, than this. Than this idea of separatists. Being, being in the notion that there's us and them. No, there's only us. Because there's a unified, singular God, the one true living God. And He created but one humanity, one mankind. The other thing I have to talk about is on that roadmap, the courage of conviction, and self-examination. Because whether we want to admit it or not, we all come with our prejudice, predispositions, what we think about people. And ladies and gentlemen, that's about self-examination. That's the biggest call. It's about self-examination. Because we all have something that we have prejudge someone about and the word prejudice means to assume without knowing to assume something without having any knowledge about the thing or the individual and that call is not about a call of looking at somebody else but it's a call to look at ourselves. And I like to say that Michael Jackson said it best. It starts with the man in the mirror. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a look out of the window at someone else. This is a look in the mirror at ourselves. Because what I can tell you is this, that we certain ways and we have our predispositions and our, pre, our prejudiced ideas about things and people because there is something that lives in us that's unresolved. Whether that prejudice is motivated, motivated by fear or something else, it requires that self-reflection to bring resolve. You know, a counselor says that fear is false evidence that appears real. It's not reality. It's not reality. And that self-reflection is what brings us to what's important, making a tough call to do that soul searching about those things that cause us to look at other people in any other way but as a child of God. In any other way but a child of God. The other thing that it does, it calls us to stand, face what happens in our community, in inequity, in inequality. It calls us to respond. Because if if we don't, we we can be either, we can commit the act of and participate in the act of inequality and, and injustice in two ways. We can be a participant by playing along in it, or we can be complicit and participating by saying nothing when we see it. That's a call, ladies and gentlemen, for self-examination and saying that, guess what? I am on the mission. I am headed to assist our Father God in his agenda to reconcile each and every one of us with him at the cross. Self-examination. Chuck Swindle says it best. He says. Examine yourself. Before anyone else. Here's what's important. But much more thorough. With your own self-examination. Much more thorough. Than your own examination. That is important because we collectively and individually as a part of this diversity of hearts that meet at the cross are required to work out individually those things that hinder us that impede God's agenda and work those things out the other thing about the next thing I want to talk about is important landmark it is embracing embracing difference through relationships embracing difference through relationships And, and let me tell you this knowledge of a person is not the same thing as knowing a person knowledge of God is not the same thing as knowing God, there's a difference. Knowledge of a person, again, is not the same as knowing a person. Knowledge can be based upon perception, misinformation, innuendo, it is information we gain without engaging the actual person. But to know a person is a call to relationship. Relationship can be for a reason that God connect people. For a season, for a short time, for a long time. But relationships are necessary to appreciate the value of inclusion of every person. The importance of difference and for our walk toward Lending our hearts to diversity, our call in this instance is to engage relationships and simply to accept and love each other. Simply to accept and love each other without any condition. And this is important. When I went, thought about this and talked about it in my mind, I was reminded of an event that happened in my life several years ago. Some of you know that I've been a lawyer for probably more than 25 years at this point. And in most of my career, I've been a prosecutor. And, and my job has been over the past 26 years to deal with murderers, to deal with sex offenders, to deal with robbers, to deal with people who beat their wives and destroy families. And there was a judge who was a friend of mine named Scott Creighton who was sitting on the bench one day, and he said, Ron, I, I'm just totally destroyed. I'm tired. I'm beat. All I'm doing is sitting up here, and I'm sentencing people to long sentences. And, and you know, if, if that's all I'm doing, I'm not making a difference. And Scott said, Ron, um, I want you to join, and, and we're going to figure out something. We developed two programs. One was called Don't Let This Be You to try to stem the tide of violence in young individuals. But then it was a second program that he came up with. And I I was taken aback. He became a part of a reentry program. And the goal of the reentry program was to take convicts who were sitting in jail, who were close to their time and to be released, and to go in and assist them in acclimating themselves back into the community by talking to them about what their responsibilities are and the conditions of their release. Now, when he said that to me, I'm thinking, God, you got to be crazy. You might as well send me into a fire, dousing gasoline, because he then said, you're going to go to the jail and do it. I say, wait, wait, wait. I'm prosecutor these are the guys over here that um, probably will be waiting for me when I get there and again I was just this can't be real but I overcame the false evidence that appeared real and I decided to go in And ladies and gentlemen, I went into the pod at CCC. There are rooms and cells that are all around. And there's one deputy who was sitting there that hit one button. And you heard the doors clack. And every single one of those doors opened. And I saw a sea of orange. And I was like, wait a second. Is this all that I have? And I'm by myself? And the door behind me locked, too. And I was confronted with about 40 individuals. And they were suspicious of me as I was suspicious of them. There's a guy who wants to talk to them about what they need to do who's wearing a bow tie and a popling suit. But let me tell you, we talked about the law and their conditions for a little while. And then we started to talk about how they got there. Some of them talked about the hurt of a single-parent home. Some of them talked about the poverty and hurt of not being able to have regular food on the table, not having houses over their heads, not having the opportunity for real education because they didn't have the tools to walk into a classroom with pride because their parents could not necessarily afford this. And ladies and gentlemen, if if you want to talk about diversity, that room was filled with everything, every color, every creed, every race. And the problems were the same. We talked, we shared, and what I realized is I thought there was difference. I came to the conclusion that the same brokenness that they shared was the same brokenness that I had. The same Christ that could heal their brokenness was the same Christ that healed my brokenness. And ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, what happened, brothers and sisters, is I stood up there and I thought I was done. And the Holy Spirit said, pray, Ron. And I'm like, God, pray, Ron pray, Ron. And I called for an invitation to prayer. Everybody came. I prayed. I prayed for families. I prayed for healing. I prayed that whatever harm and trauma has us all at the cross, that we find the healing of Christ there in every place that they could go when they leave. Well, I left there intact, bow tie still in place. (laughs) False evidence appearing real. Well, there was something that happened after that. About two years later, my daughter, who's present, Caitlin, um, had an issue. She was a cheerleader, and we thought she may have had a misalignment in her legs. And we took her to a doctor who said, you need to go to Shriner's. You need to have Caitlin evaluated at Shriners. So I was meeting Caitlin and her mother there, and as I approached Shriners, I noticed this little beautiful baby girl, and her father was behind her, but I didn't pay much attention to her father. I approached that baby because she was so beautiful, and I kneeled down, and I said, you're absolutely beautiful. And I said, you have a beautiful daughter. But my eyes were directed to that baby. The father said, guy, I know you. And when someone says that, I'm telling you, fear comes in my heart because I want to know, how do you know me is more important as the why than, than the why? So I looked up from the baby, and he said, Two years ago, you prayed with me in that jail. This is my daughter. I have a family, and I no longer have an addiction. You prayed with me in that jail. And let me tell you something. The lesson was for me, because the guy who walked in that jail believing that there was a difference between Them and me realize it's just us. It's just us. It's just us. And it was a life-changing event. It still brings tears to my eyes that that is what God showed. It is not about us and them. It's only us on that walk on that path to reconciling us with our unified singular God and his people that's it that's it that is what this whole thing is about and I love what Maya Angelou says she said we should know that diversity makes for a rich tapestry. And we must understand that all the threads of the tapestry are equal in value, no matter what their color. Equal in value, no matter what their color. I just want to say to you that We have this calling, and we can decide here today, each and every one of us individually and collectively. We can choose right now to be agents of unity or an agent of separatism and discord. We can decide right now. An agent that is a part of God's agenda or an agent for division. Will you choose to add your heart to diversity of hearts is what the call is. Will you lend your heart to the love of God that calls of us to be the hands and feet of Christ right here, right now, to walk every single person to that road where divinity meets humanity. That's the call. That is the call. There is one scripture here, and I call it called to action because this goes back to that self-reflection. Whoever says that I love God but hates another believer strong words people but I didn't write It's a liar. People who don't love others believers whom they have seen can't love a God whom they've not seen. And I say to you That's the call. And let me tell you, if you take up that call, you can see God if you decide to be an agent of unity, because you will look for God in your fellow man every single day. That makes you an agent of unity. That makes you an agent of unity there is no reason to make distinctions because if we are in fact his hands and feet and we decide that we're not going to just follow Christ but we're going to emulate Christ then i remind each and every one of us all of us belong to a collective group and that is a group of sinners but when Christ came we belo- we came a part of another group we were the redeemed we were the redeemed And then he called us his saints. That's the call to walk everybody there. And I leave you with one thing. Choose ye this day. Will you be an agent of division? Or will you be an agent of unity? Diversity of hearts calls us to join the community at the intersection of the cross and direct people to God's agenda again to reconcile each and every one of us individually and all of us as mankind back to him without distinction without exclusion the call is just Father, we glorify you, and we thank you, and we lift you up, and we honor you, God, and we so appreciate you, and we thank you for examining each and every one of our hearts, God. Father, where there's brokenness of any kind, we ask that you mend. Father, we come and ask you to be present, God us, Holy Spirit, to the healing and acceptance and the love that you've called each and every one of us to, God. Let us have diverse hearts, God. Let us share your hearts with everyone, with all in the world, Father, and do it in a manner, Father, that elevates you, that gives you all of the glory. Father, we praise you and we lift you up and we call and thank you right now that you guide us, Holy Spirit, bring us from where we are to where you would have us be individually and collectively. And we're going to give you all the glory and the thanks right now in advance. And we say thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. In Jesus name we pray. amen. Amen.